Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. If country borders and grids can fascinate you and state names intrigue you, if atlases, globes, city plans, subway maps, and of course, world maps are your thing, if you can name the capital city of Namibia, and if you get giddy about flags, you are in the right place. This is Map Corner, a podcast about the love of maps brought to you by Royfield Brown and Claire Asprey. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to Map Corner. I'm Royfield Brown here with 52.49 degrees north and one degree uh, west, which basically means I'm back home. I'm still in Birmingham. And with me is Claire Asprey. I say this start of every show, Claire, but where are you today, Claire? Like it's going to be any different. It's not any different. It's uh, 52.1 degrees north and 0.5 degrees east in Bedfordshire. Which is a lovely neck of the woods and I came down to see you the other day, didn't I? You did, and I took you for a route march through the countryside. Yeah, most people when you come and visit them, what they do is like they take you into their home, give you a cup of tea, feed you, you frog march me out on some death march through the fields of uh, East Bedfordshire, but it was pretty. There you go. It was it was fun. Map Corner is a podcast dedicated to the love of maps and to all things cartophilic. So if Peters is your prediction, you're in the right place. Okay, this month we're talking to Daryl Cannon, who's the owner of Ready Study Roll Games Cafe, which is uh, and he's also the resident games guru. Um, Ready Study Roll is literally about five miles away from where I am right now. Um, and you can see behind Daryl the impressive range of games that they have uh, at the cafe there. Uh, it's a great place to go if you're in the uh, in this neck of the woods. On this uh, episode, we have an audio postcard uh, from a good friend of the podcast, Lonnie Bihar, who's on holiday in the Hudson River in New York State. Uh, we ask you every time we do this podcast, please review us on Apple iTunes because it will help get us up those iTunes charts, which means we have more listeners. And we are again live on Zoom today, and we've joined by uh, some of our listeners which is great uh, those on the zoom can join in ask questions later if you want to join in um, and you're listening to the podcast and you're not on the facebook group already do join the facebook group and then you'll get the details for our next show and a link for the zoom for next time we will be recording every first saturday of the month at 6 p.m uk time which is 1 p.m eastern and 10 a.m pacific 
Uh, so we're going to start by talking to Daryl. Now we've just had, or well, we still are in lockdown, most of us, and we've had uh, a lot of time stuck at home with our family to have quality family time. And one of the ways that we can uh, spend that quality family time is to play board games. Well, I'll admit that my daughter's turned a teenager and is not interested right now in that kind of thing. I've been after Daryl for ages to come and talk about map-based games because it's a way of joining two great fun things. Uh, so Daryl, will you tell us a little bit about Ready, Steady, Roll and, uh, and the range of games that you've got that are there? Hello, so yeah, I'm Daryl and I run Ready Steady Roll, which is a little board game cafe in Bedfordshire. I don't know the latitude, I'm afraid. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> um, we have got over 350 different games from little kid games to really complicated strategic games. And um, we have homemade cake and coffee and stuff. So you come along, uh, I can recommend you games and I teach how to play them so you don't have to read the rules, which is always good. Uh, and then you can just play games and have coffee and cake. It's a lot of fun. So uh, in terms of uh, the Map Corner community, we asked people about their favourite map-based games and um, our listeners are clearly quite old school because Risk came out at the top of the list there. Although, um, you know, there are quite a lot of fans of Ticket to Ride and lots of other games being suggested. So, um, you know, what map games do you have in the cafe that are popular there with people? You know, what's, uh, what's an entry-level game? Uh, we Obviously, we do have Risk as well. Uh, but I try to recommend games that people maybe probably haven't seen or played before. So some good ones are Ticket to Ride. That is kind of like a game where you're building a map, building train routes across America. So you've got all these different locations that you're trying to get to, and you're kind of claiming routes by putting your little trains down. But it can be quite mean if you haven't played it before because you can kind of block each other off, claim routes that people want, so they've got to go the long way around to get across America. So it starts off quite nice, but then a bit like Risk, it can turn quite mean by the end. It gets surprisingly tense for a game about putting trains on a board. Whatever ones we've got... Specifically with that game, Daryl, because uh, my daughter, uh, I saw, was actually playing the Scandinavian version of that. So is this yes. kind of a, the way that a lot of these games are going now, that you know, there's customizations for specific yes, so... regions and countries? Yeah, so Ticket to Ride in particular is like, sold like millions of copies, I think. So it's got... a about maybe seven or eight different versions of it now. So there's a UK one, uh, there's the Scandinavian one, there's a Europe one, an India one, I think. So yeah, there's all over. This, this one that we've got is the original one, uh, which is like the most simple one. But then all of the other ones in different countries, they add like a little twist to it that makes it a tiny bit more complicated. So like, for example, the UK one, you have to develop technology. And on the London one, you have buses instead of trains. There's a London one and a New York one, which are like mini versions of it, which... And yeah, you're using taxis and um, buses and stuff like that. But I haven't played a London one. Too. I suppose the very obvious question is, I'm, I'm presuming that as, as a little wee Daryl, you were a big uh, board game aficionado and then decided as, as a, you know, as a grown-up, not properly to grow up and to take that into your adult life and to, get, to make a business out of it. Uh, definitely. So in my childhood, I did play a lot of like the cartoons like Monopoly. I did love Risk. I quite like a mean game where you're uh, fighting everybody. Um, so I played a lot of Risk, and then I discovered, I actually went into a comic book store and saw the Game of Thrones board game, which has got a really big map and everything, and you're taking over all of the Game of Thrones land. And I was intrigued and read some reviews about it and discovered that there's actually is more games than just Monopoly and Risk, and there's thousands out there, and then it kind of just grew from there. I got a bit addicted and then um, bought a few too many and then started gradually turning it into a little business. 
and how long has the cafe been going? And, and I must admit, I wasn't aware of this kind of genre of cafe. So is this something which, as uh, as one of my little nieces would say, you, you thought up with your very own brain for thinking? Or was this kind of a concept you saw elsewhere and then decided to uh, daralyze it? Yeah. Well, so we've been going for it'll be three years in October. And there is quite a few of the board game cafes like around the country. There might be one in Birmingham, actually. But all over, I think the first one was in Oxford. And that was probably about 10 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not that long. And yeah, so then I discovered that you could do your own board game cafe. So, so I did it. <laughs> I have a brother, but I'm a functioning only child. Right, So I was 13 and a half before he came along. And for Christmas, I would get games. And because of my love of maps, um, you know, clever uncles and aunts uh, bought me Risk. I had Diplomacy. But I can only ever play them at best at Easter or Christmas when my cousins came over. So if you are a functioning only child like I was, and, and let's say you can't get to a cafe, a board game cafe, what board games, hopefully map-related, yeah. Um, would you recommend for somebody who is playing solo? So there is, might be a bit bad taste in the current conditions, but I can get it out here. Uh, Pandemic is a game where you're basically trying to stop uh, diseases from spreading all over the world. Uh, so you can see if you can do a better job of what's going on at the moment. But you basically all work together as a team. So you're all kind of coordinating your movements, trying, and everyone has like, their own skill. Like, there might be a medic that can cure the disease better a scientist that can find a cure and stuff like that. So you're all working together as a team around a table just trying to cure all of the diseases before the world collapses, basically. But because it's cooperative, uh, I think it does say two player plus on here, two to four, but you could play it on your own and just see if you can win. And that has got a nice, I'll get it out, a nice big map of the whole world. And as you go on, the board board gets filled with viruses and stuff like that that you have to try and eliminate. And if too many say too many got in one place and it can cause outbreaks that then spread everywhere else and stuff like that so it can spiral downhill but yeah if you don't mind the, the theme at the moment then that's a good one to play um another good one could be it's kind of maps it's forbidden island where you're on an island and you're trying to get treasure off the island but it's slowly sinking so as you go on so if you can see on there you kind of set up the map or board and randomly every time so every time you play it the map's always a bit different but as you go on it starts to flood and all of the tiles start disappearing as you go so board kind of changes and sinks as you go and you have to try and get pressure before you all die and again in that one you're all working together so you have to try and coordinate your movements where on your own and that's really interesting because i i think that's something i wanted to pick up on in that it feels like some of the older games are very competitive they're all based on kind of war strategies and Mm. Um, you know, battles and that kind of thing. That's how I think about some of the older games. But the newer games, like you're saying, seem to be more cooperative and that people yeah. are collaborating across. And like, is, that, is it true to say that that's a newer phenomenon? And is that true of other games as well? What's, what's the trend looking like for that? Yeah, so yeah, I think I do. I think I kind of agree that it used to be all competitive. And uh, when I first discovered it, there was games where you worked as a team. I was like, well, that's, that's crazy. Um, but I think it stemmed from uh, in Germany, because board games are quite big in Germany. They started making a new type of game that was like an epo- economy game. Uh, it wasn't necessarily fighting and you'd be more trading resources. And then Settlers of Catan is quite a popular. Um, but you're all kind of trading resources on this map. And every time you play the map, it's all different. And that kind of triggered like a new wave of games where you weren't necessarily just fighting each other. 
in that one because you're trading with each other sometimes things are mutually beneficial for both of you but then it also depends on the map the map out the, the layout of the map and um, how the game plays will be quite different every time and then from there it kind of spawned so many more games which is where the crop games have come from and, and then yeah I, I must admit, you know, you make me realise how old school I am because I just want to like play a board game and I just want to like conquer. You know, yeah, I see a map of the world and I just want to be moving my tanks into somewhere or you know and uh, take taking over uh, taking over land. So if you're old school like me, right, and let's say you've done a bit of risk, you've done a little bit of diplomacy, etc. Um, what game would you recommend? For a competitive one, oh, quite a few. Because I, I personally, I don't really like the cooperative ones because I like to be able to, to win against a human. Good one could be uh, Memoir Forty Four, which is like recreates different battles from the wars. There, there's two double-sided boards, and they're just a blank canvas. And every there's loads of different scenarios, so you have to basically build a map every time. And then obviously the layout and the terrain affects like the battles and stuff like that. It's a bit risk-like, but every time you play it, it's dramatically different because the layout of the map really plays an important role. And you can't really get good at it because it changed. there's different scenarios that you kind of get every time. So that'd be a good one. And you've got, then you've got little mini tanks as well for your, so you can um, shoot at the other people. <laughs> if you want to take a step above diplomacy, is the Game of Thrones board game, which is based on the same kind of game as diplomacy, but it adds a lot of extra... Bits that make it quite complicated. It takes probably about five or six hours to actually play it in full. And maybe an hour before you actually know what you're doing because <laughs> there's so many different rules and stuff like that. So it doesn't get played very much here, but I have played it. And it's quite an epic game because it's got a big giant map of Westeros and mm-hmm. you betray each other. And you, You've actually preempted my next question, Dal, because um, I know that uh, cafe-type businesses fundamentally have a, a kind of an unspoken kind of like time limit you know yeah. you kind of want people to have their coffee have their bun and then sl- sling your up um people can be in your place all day can't they how, how does that work from a business point of view so you get when you book you get a two-hour slot um and then if we've got room you can stay for longer although because of coronavirus we're now quarantine in the games after you play so I encourage people not to stay too long because then they go through more and more games that we've then got a quarantine. But during the week, uh, it's usually pretty quiet. So if we have got space, people can stay and play a longer game. And you can always book a bit extra to definitely play a little bit longer. But we're quite lucky because where we are is kind of in the middle of the countryside, in the middle of nowhere. So our rent is quite cheap. So we don't have to rush people too much to get them out the door to pay the bills. Uh, this is the last question from me before I hand over to, to, to Asprey here. But and be honest, what for you is more important, the quality of your coffee and your buns or the games? Um, it's got to be both. Because I do like to make a nice latte. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, if we've got rubbish games, then not good enough, is it? Plus, he hasn't mentioned the quality of the cake, which is phenomenal. Yes, they are very good cakes. <laughs> I wanted to pick up on this thing about the difference between games where you've got an existing map on the board, like, you know, your risk or your pandemic, yeah. even the map of the world, and the ones where you make a world as you go along. And I think that was something that caught the attention of people because it, it, 
it's different every time, obviously. And also there's a different set of skills, again, sometimes in the collaborative games, but sometimes in competitive games when you've got the, the, the territory is changing all the time. Yeah. You know, what, what do you think people are really enjoying more at the moment? Is, are, are people more interested in places they can make their own world or is it kind of a bit about yeah. I think when you make your own little world, it's a bit more satisfying because, like, for example, when I was playing Carcassonne, you're basically building up the little French kind of cities and roads and stuff like that. So at the start, you've just got one little tile with just a little road and a little town on. But then by the end of the game, you've built this huge little world in front of you with little cities and roads and monasteries and everything. That's it. But you're all kind of putting things together on the same space. But then also, I think people quite like, like with Pandemic, it being a real world. It makes the theme can come out a bit more because if England gets infected with the disease, it's a bit more personal than just a random made-up country um, that you don't know about getting infected. So it kind of also it's quite fun because you can like meet up with people in Paris and stuff like that in the game in real life, which kind of kind of crazy makes it feel a bit more real because you're kind of moving around the board and something that's actually you know. And at the risk of mentioning the kind of dread word of computer games. Is there something around the games where you build your own worlds that is parallel to some of the stuff that happens within, I'm thinking Minecraft and things like that, but like that, that's something that people are doing much more now rather than playing in a world that's been created for them? Yeah, yeah. So there's games where it's not really map-based, but Agricola, where you're building your own little farm. So throughout the game, you add little fields and you grow your own little wheat and you then get little sheep that have babies and stuff like that. And then by the end, even if you lose, it's just satisfying having a little look down at your little farm that you've created. Um, and even just in a game like Risk, to be fair, even though the board's as it is, but you start off with just a few armies and then by the end, you've taken over huge, has something to show for at the end of the game. Yeah. And what, what's a good sort of starting game for kind of younger, because a lot of these games feel that they're quite kind of epic and strategic. What's a good entry level game if you've got like young people in the group or you've got a group of people? Uh, a young kind of map based game could be Outfoxed, where it's five plus and you're all working together to try and find out which fox stole the pie. So you go around, it's like a little, you've got a big map of this like town basically, and then you move around the map trying to interview other people to find out what the thief was wearing at the time. And that's quite nice because you're all working together because it's cooperative and it's really simple for the kids to play. Uh, but then, you can still still like strategy in yourself to kind of think about your decisions rather than just rolling a dice and then moving along that many numbers. You can choose where you go or um, you can choose whether to go for more clues or suspects and things like that. That's quite a good one. And the same way the Forbidden Island one is quite nice or any cooperative one really because you're all working together anyway. So if you've got a young child you can kind of coach them through their turn because you're, you want the same goal anyway to try and win the game. So that's quite nice. Yeah. And I think we played King Domino there, um, well, well, the yeah. first time I came, actually. And, um, and again, that's about world-making, but it's a really simple game yeah, yeah. for people to pick up, isn't it? And uh, not too complicated. Yeah, no, that's what you need at first, is a nice, simple game, and then you can work up to a Game of Thrones board game. But yeah, if you go straight into the Game of Thrones board game, you'll be overwhelmed and you'll think, well, <laughs> board games are not for me, so you've got you to gotta ease them in. <laughs> This might be a good time to throw open to our uh, our listeners because I know uh, our Ken McDonald here is a big Game of Thrones fan. Ken, have you played Game of Thrones board game or would you? I, I had no idea there was a Game of Thrones board game in, until now. So no, I haven't played it. I'd be interested. My, my wife's here, by the way. She's off camera. She's also, 
She's an even bigger Game of Thrones fan, my wife, Jen. Yeah, it'd be fun if we could find people to play. Yeah, she yeah. was probably an insufficient number to, to play that game, right? Yeah. I mean, there, is, there is a two-player game. Are you assigned to a family? Are you, are you a, a Lannister? Or... Yes. Uh, I'd be a Stark, because I'm from the North. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody wants to be a Stark. But in a two-player game... So this one is not really mappy. That's kind of like a kind of puzzle game where you're trying to claim as many different houses as you can. So you don't care whether you're Stark or not, you're trying to get everything. But in the okay. proper Game of Thrones board game, yeah, you have your own... Um, you play a house basically and you try. So you start off in different locations and you all have a little site advantages and stuff depending on house that you are. Do you choose your house or is it assigned by the game do you, randomly? Or, uh, I think you can do it randomly. Or when I played, I demanded to be a star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I suppose another kind of obvious question is how is the world of board games uh, fearing against virtual games, against computer games? Um, Because on the one hand, uh, you can get um, another type of experience from, you know, playing it virtually. Uh, And they say, you know, the little old sad uh, only child me, if I was born now, I I could be playing online, uh, couldn't I, with with, with somebody I've never met in Korea or in, in... you know, in Taiwan. So what is it about the enduring appeal of board games, do you reckon? Yeah, well, board games are actually, their sales just keep improving and improving at the moment. You'd think it would go the opposite way because everyone's surrounded by technology all the time. It's nice to get away, sit around a table with each other and just kind of play a game with no distractions. And I think one thing you can't really do in video games is like bluffing or like the kind of social element of it. Which is one of my favorite type of games is bluffing, and like in like the Game of Thrones board game, you can like bluff and then betray each other and things like that, which you just can't really do virtually. So it's just nice to be around a table, isn't it? But then there are some games, like for example, got the Fallout board game, which is based on a video game. But for me, I'd much rather just play the video game because it's so fiddly and it tried to recreate the board game, but then you've got to move everything yourself, and it's just a bit off for me. So I think sometimes video games do win against some board. How about games that you can play with people over Zoom? I mean, I've been playing Bananagrams every Wednesday evening with a friend yeah. on Zoom. Um, and it takes ages because we all have our own whole set of Bananagrams. Um, but what are, they, what, what are good games to be playing when you're having to yeah. be remote from people? So one of the favourite games I've been playing over Zoom is not map-based at all, but it's just one, where it's a cl- uh, collaborative game again, but you're all trying to write down a one-word clue to try and get one of the players to guess a secret word. So you could have circus, for example, could be the secret word. And everyone's write down a one-word clue like clown or tent. But then if anyone writes the same word, you lose all of that clue. So you all have to try and think of words that hopefully no one else is going to write. Otherwise, you lose all the clues and you, you're not going to get any. So it makes you think a bit differently about, even just on pen and paper, you can do it. Uh, Dale, I, I, I'm guessing, right, that uh, Monopoly... Um, doesn't really figure as one of your top games at, at, at the cafe. Would I, would I be correct? You are correct. It breaks my heart a little bit when people come in and want to play Monopoly. <laughs> Why? It's just a very, very dated game now. And I think there's games that do a similar thing, but just better. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, some people is nostalgic to play the game. But for me, there's just many better games. I'd rather somebody spend their time playing a new game that they haven't played before. So then would you say that if, as our quiz questions, we use Monopoly as a base for our questions, we've committed a, a Daryl Cannon faux pas? 
You have, I'm afraid. Well, we committed a Daryl Cannon faux pas, folks, because it's time for the uh, Map Corner Quiz, which a lot of it's based around Monopoly. And I'm just saying, I didn't come up with a quiz uh, this week. Uh, it was this this month. It was Claire, but she's done a good job, but these are fiendish. These are not easy, right, folks? So pen and paper, and uh, the winner can bask in the glow of being the map corner winner of the quiz this month. So number one, question number one. On European Union Monopoly Board, which country streets are the most expensive property? Is it A, France, B, Belgium, C, Germany? Right, now I'll give you a clue. Think of which country has the biggest GDP, and you won't be far wrong here. So is it A, France, B, Belgium, or C, Germany? Question number two. What colour is Raffles City in the Singapore edition? Is it A, yellow, B, red, C, dark blue? Right, so you've got to kind of work out in, in, your, in your head uh, how expensive reckon Raffle City is. If you've been to Singapore, you've probably got a very good idea. Have you been to Singapore, Claire? I have been to Singapore, yeah. Oh, so you'll, you'll probably nail this one. I've, I've never been anywhere near Singapore. I'd love to go, mind you. Right, so what colour is Raffle City in the Singapore edition of Monopoly? Is it A, yellow, B, red, C, dark blue? Question number three. What is the cheapest property on the standard US 2008 board? So cheap is what we're looking for here. Is it A, States Avenue, B, Mediterranean Avenue, or C, Pacific Avenue? So which is the cheapest property on the standard US board? Ken McDonald, if you don't ace this one, I'll be very disappointed in you, sir. Is it A, States Avenue, B, Mediterranean Avenue, or C, Pacific Avenue? Question number four. How many cities are represented on the Brazil edition, which was issued in 1989? Crumbs, clear. These, these are not easy. Right? There's a whole load of guessing I think is going to go on here. Right? Is it A, one, B, two, or C, three? How many cities are represented on the Brazil edition of Monopoly? It was issued in 1989, if that gives you any hint or a clue. Uh, it's uh, A, one, B, two, or C, three. And the last one at, from our Monopoly questions is how many train stations are represented on the Birmingham UK board? So not Birmingham, Alabama, or some other place in the Anglophone world, which is called Birmingham. How many train stations are represented on the Birmingham UK board? Is it A, one, B to C3. Now, if you know anything about my hometown, you'll know how many train stations are on the city centre. And, and that is the answer, if that is any clue for you at all. Right. So uh, what I think we should do, folks, is um, have our audio postcard, which is from um, a listener who couldn't be with us today because he's on holiday. This is from Lonnie Bihar. Greetings, everyone, from all corners of the Map Corner world. This is Lonnie Bihar and Angus Haggis delivering you this audio postcard from 42.1 degrees north and 73.9 degrees west in Germantown in the lower part of the upper Hudson River Valley where my husband, my dog, and I are nearing the end of our two-week summer holiday. We're about a mile east of the Hudson River and I'm looking due west from the Swedish-style 
converted barn we're renting. Facing rolling acres of grass and trees, a small private swimming hole is a short walk away, and beyond the trees is the majestic Hudson River, and the Catskill Mountains are in the distance. The sunsets are breathtaking and different each evening. I live in New York City, but I'm very appreciative of the great beauty of New York State, especially of the Hudson River. It was explored by and named after Henry Hudson, who was searching for the Northwest Passage to India. He was the victim of a crew mutiny in 1611 during a later exploration of Canada's Great Bay, which was also named after him. He, his son, and several crew members were set adrift and never heard from again. The 315-mile-long tidal waterway originates in the Adirondack Mountains, travels due south, becomes navigable north of Albany, and empties into the New York Harbor. The beautiful valley is dotted with small towns sporting colorful Dutch and Scottish names, and histories dating back to the American colonies. For instance, Kinderhook, about 24 miles north of here, was home to our eighth president Martin Van Buren, and you can visit his grave there. The Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts had grand estates on the river that are open to the public, and the Culinary Institute of America is located here as well. There are several spans crossing the river, including my favorite, the Rip Van Winkle Bridge, connecting the towns of Hudson and Catskill. I should mention the Hudson River School of Painting, which produced beautiful landscapes in the mid 19th century. A great museum to visit is the Olana Estate, very close to here. Which was home to the painter Frederick Edwin Church. There are other great galleries in the valley, such as Dia and Beacon, and the Storm King, King, Oh My, and Opus 40 sculpture parks. Finally, I'll mention West Point, where the United States Military Academy sits high, only 50 miles from Manhattan. Across from West Point is my favorite town, Cold Spring, home to a Shakespeare festival in the summer. You walk down the cute Main Street dotted with many stores, go under the old train station, and come up on Main Street again. Proceed to the river's edge, sit in the gazebo, and look out upon the cliffs of the west side of the Hudson. I'll stop there. One could fill an entire show talking about the Hudson River, and I hope you do so in the future. So thank you, Witherspoon, for your wonderful、um, audio postcard. Right. So a、um, couple more questions. On the quiz before、uh, we come back to talking about other、um, cartographic things.、Uh, so, whose epic journey is this? Now, if you were paying any attention、uh, to the audio postcard, this one's nailed on for you. Is it A Magellan? Hmm. Is it B Hudson? Or is it C Francis Drake? So, whose epic journey is this? You've been paying attention to the audio postcard.、Uh, I think you've got this one. Nick Rowworth is scribbling down on his paper, so I think Nick's going. I think I've got this one. Last three questions.、Um, you know, I like my political geography, shapes of countries, and I like a I like a flag. So, got three countries here. What are they? I'll give you a clue for the first two.、Um, first two are in Africa. So, first first country、uh, was first colonized. Uh, by the Arabs, as a little bit of a clue, and then in the late 19th century by the Germans, and then was given to the British after the First World War. That's country number one over there on the left.、Mm. Country number two、um, has、uh, a very colourful history. Lots of peoples、uh, have moved there,、uh, hence its 
flag is a bit of a rainbow flag. And its flag is somewhat just less than 30 years old. There's a clue for us. That's country number two in the middle. What country is that? It's also in Africa. And then country number three, similarly, um, a relatively new country, uh, which became independent in the early 1990s. I've been there on a couple of occasions. It's a wonderful place. It's in Europe. There's a clue for you. So we will come back to the quiz question, to the quiz answers in a bit. Um, where are we, Claire? Where are we with the proceedings? Well, thought, we would just quickly ask if anyone else had any questions for Daryl, because um, we brought Ken in, but we didn't give anyone else a chance to ask the question. So I thought that would be a good thing to do now before I do the social media roundup. Um, I'm not putting um, any pressure on anybody, but I reckon Fiona Powell, right, who's, uh, oh, you're shaking your head, like, what, what am I going to say? You are a woman of a uh, great erudite, very much an inquiring mind. You must have a question or two. Do you, have, do you actually play board games at all, Fiona? Um, actually, my, my best friend, Valerie, who's English, um, and, but lives here in Pennsylvania. I'm coming to you from West Chilliskorki Township in Pennsylvania. It's a Native American name. Land of the white birds, because we are the um, center for migrating swans in early January. It's a sight to see. And they all live behind my house in a field for about two weeks in January. It's quite gorgeous. Swans and snow geese. So I'm coming to you from West Chilliskorki Township on the Susquehanna River, the great Susquehanna that Charles Dickens hailed as one of the most beautiful rivers he had ever encountered. And it is indeed beautiful. It's gorgeous because it's so shallow, you can't take um, boats, big boats up there. You have to have flat bottomed boats. So there's no industry on the Susquehanna. But anyway, I have a grandson who is, um, now he plays on computers, uh, but he loves um, cityscapes. He loves building cities and building maps on, on cityscapes. The only time I really do board games is my best friend, Valerie, who's English, who lives nearby. She has two teenage daughters who are now actually back in England. Well, one's in England and one's in Scotland. But occasionally we play board games with, with Valerie. I'm trying to persuade my grandson to get involved in board games. So I love some of the suggestions you have. But for someone who loves both map building and architecture, could you suggest a specific board game that might cover those areas? How old is he? He's 14. 14. With a brain of a 30-year-old, but there you go. Yeah. Um, so a good one could be uh, New York 1901, which is all about building like skyscrapers in New York. So you've got, you've got a map, uh, and then you have these kind of shaped buildings, and you've got to try and fit them in a bit like tetris -y kind of fit them in to try and build the best little building that you can. It's a bit similar to Ticket to Ride, if anyone's played that, um, where you're collecting cards of different colours and sets to try and build it. But then you're trying to, there's some big skyscrapers that you can build and stuff like that. So that's quite a nice buildy one. You had mentioned Carcassonne. What is that? Yes, that would be a good one as well. Um, you have little tiles with features on them. So that's got like a city and a road. And then it's a bit like Domino's where you try and connect things up. So uh, you're trying to build like roads to score points and you're trying to complete this around like your cities. I can do it that way. 
you're trying to build cities that are completely surrounded by walls. So as you go on, you start off with just one tile, like I said before. And then as you go on, you all kind of collaboratively building this big little town, big little town, a uh, big town all together. Um, but you're still trying to score points. It can be quite mean as well if you try to steal uh, cities off each other and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to ask another question. You had mentioned um, the one about the battles and where you have actual battles. How far back does it go? Was it, I can't read my own. But yeah, Memoir 44. Memoir 44. Yep. How far back in history do the battles go? I think, I'm not very good at history. World War II, it's all the different battles of World War II, basically. World War II. Okay, great, thanks. I'm, I'm taking grandson to Gettysburg in a couple of weeks. I'm a bit of a Gettysburg buff, and it's only an hour from here. Or I'm a Gettysburg boar, depending on how you feel. And I would love to sort of take him on the battlefield with that before taking him on the battlefield, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a good one. I think there might actually be an online version of that game, actually. Okay. Well, I may have just made that up, so don't hold my up for it. <laughs> I doubt, make things up. Everyone will believe you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, does anybody else um, have have a question? And I'm specifically uh, Nick Rower. No, I was going to say, in a, in a board game cafe, I, I'm always, I, with my games, I'm always around people. Do you find sort of people mess them up or steal pieces or things like that? I know. Um, to be honest, no, because I think most people, we haven't really had any missing pieces or people. We've had a few, the occasional person not coming and not really the numbers much. But for the most part, I think because we're quite out of the way, people have to kind of find us and seek us out. You don't get like a random person coming off the street <laughs> who doesn't really know about it and just playing games and thinking nothing. Like you have to kind of find it. So we're quite lucky. Like 99% of our customers are, are lovely. So. <laughs> You know, you know what? I, I've never thought about it, but I'm missing the top hat on my Monopoly board. I just rack up round to your place and just put it in my back pocket. You know, <laughs> it's Monopoly. You can take it. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I think there's a game called Guessesburg. I've never played, but I think there's one actually called Guessesburg. I don't know what it's like. 
We really don't have that one, I'm afraid. This, I've never played it, but... As you say, if you, want, if you want a solo game that's to do with maps, there's one called Freedom the Underground Railway, where you're trying to get slaves from the south of Canada. And that's, it's very historically based as well. You've got all the historical characters, which is quite good for learning about that and also... Um, very, very at the moment as well, uh, Nick. So uh, uh, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, do we have a, a, a couple more questions before we move on? And specifically, I'm looking at our younger listeners, uh, uh, Maya. Um, I'm asking you to unmute yourself because I think you you ha- you have a question. Yeah, I don't know if it's already been asked. I'm sometimes having struggling hearing, but do you have any particular sets or groups of demographics that you get into your cafe? Uh, yes, so we get quite a broad range, to be fair. We get families, um, either with like, younger children or old children, and then we get groups of like young adults and just groups of adults. So literally we get such a broad range um, of people. We get teenagers, just in, with just over teenagers. So yeah, it's quite, probably mostly more adults than you'd expect, I think. I think most people probably think that it's going to be like families with kids. But we get probably... 60-70% is just adults. Mm-hmm. And how long has the cafe been established now? It'll be oh. three, years in, three years in October we'll have been here. Three years in October. And um, I'm, I'm presuming that one of your most uh, loyal customers is our Claire Raspberry. She did not love a board game. And she's been bigging you up for quite some time too. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, I've been a few times, yeah. Uh, uh, one more question uh, Mia uh, who's over in uh, I think you're in California uh, Mia uh, now's your time Mia to ask your question um, your cafe sounds really fun as my mom and I like to play a lot of board games if I wanted to open one in Oakland California how would I do so or like would it be really hard um, <laughs> so when I first researched into it everywhere said it would cost like a fortune to do it but the way we started, we started doing once a month. We did a pop-up board game cafe where we rented out a village hall um, nearby where we lived and we just took all of our games there, set up the tables and did cakes there. And we did that for uh, almost two years. And we also went into other cafes that were established and did like themed nights there, which kind of helped because it built, built up a little following um, of people that knew who we were. And then we were quite lucky because about two minutes away from where I lived, this location turned up and we kind of covered it together with like a shoestring budget like when we first started we had no money we didn't even have a coffee machine it was very very basic um and we got the government do like um never like a kind of interest um startup loan so we got one of those for a couple of grand and whereas everyone said we'd need 20 30 grand we did it on about 10 grand probably including the loan and then we've kind of been a bit like a board game because we've kind of progressively added more and more features to what we have over the years that we've been open. So, but then I think you need to find a good location because I think for us, it wouldn't really work in a city centre because the rent would be too much. But, but there are other places that do it in city centre, so obviously it is possible, but I, I like our location. It's a little hidden away secret. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, Mia, for, for, your, for your question. Is there anybody else before we move on to... Uh matters of the social media bent before we start to wind up and close up our maps. Mi- Michi Moo, are you paying attention? 
you are paying attention. All right. It looks like you were texting somebody. <laughs> oh, good. Right. Uh, Claire, yeah. um, where are we with the socials? So uh, we've now got up to 286 people in the Facebook group. So that's really jumped since last time as well. And I think um, it's great to see a lot of engagement there. Uh, unsurprisingly, the, the, the post that got the most involvement from people this uh, last month was the poll about what our favourite map games were. Uh, we had a lot of interesting conversation going on there and people suggesting the games that they liked. And it was great to, great to see that. Um, just a shout out for some of our real proper map geeks in the listenership. So um, Ben Jacobs posted from the Esri conference for like the people who really do maps for a living. Um, and there's some, there were some people who were at that. Um, and I just want to have my most honourable mention for uh, Ken McDonald because last, uh, last time Ken was telling us his audio postcard about his walks around um, Durham and he was making a mental map of his own neighbourhoods and his own town um, and he sat down and drew it out and he shared that um, and it's just, uh, it's just such a beautiful thing when people do make their own maps that are not really to scale or not particular normal cartography but tell you about how you navigate in a place um, and so yeah that was really really lovely to see um, and then the, our fun, most fun daft map is the one we've, we I think we've seen it before actually which is the one where uh, you can work out where Kentucky is on a map of the state by imagining a picture of a chef holding some Kentucky chicken um, <laughs> sometimes it's the simple things that uh, really hit home and if I ever had to find Kentucky on a map which I wouldn't have been able to do before. I could actually give it a go now. So, uh, you know, everything's an education, isn't it? Let's go back, folks, and let's do, uh, let's give you the answers to the quiz. Uh, I, I'm expecting uh, from you, uh, Daryl, big things uh, in this quiz in, in particular. It's <laughs> right. all about Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let, let's go on to this. So um, let's see who has got from most of these correct, right? So let, let's let's give you these in the order which I actually have the slides in. So um, Discovery, whose epic journey was this? Was it A, Magellan, B, Hudson, or C, Francis Drake? Um, Daryl, uh, what do you reckon? If you were paying any attention, I'm not gonna pick on you for all these answers, so don't worry, sir. Uh, if, you, if you were paying any attention to the wonderful postcard of the Hudson River Valley, in uh, upstate New York. Uh, what do you reckon the answer is? I think it might have been Hudson. And you would be correct, sir. So if you said Henry Hudson, uh, you would be correct. Now, these are a little bit more tricky. All right, so uh, the country on the left, I said it was colonized uh, by Arabs. Uh, the, I didn't say, I should have said this actually, the uh, language there is Swahili. It was, uh, formerly a German colony and then a British colony. This is Tanzania on the left. Uh, country number two in the middle uh, is a country uh, with a very checkered past, um, colonized by the Dutch, by various Bantu tribes. Famously, uh, the Zulus and Zulu warriors co co uh, came out of there, colonized by the British, became independent, had apartheid. This is South Africa, hence its rainbow flag. You nailed that one, didn't you, Daryl? I saw that little fist bump. Good for you, sir. And then country number three, relatively newly independent in Europe, long coastline, bit of an odd shape. This is Croatia. 
Nick, did you get that? Not if you did, Nick. You did. You nailed that one. Well done, sir. All right. So Nick is off to a flying start in this quiz. Let's hope we can keep it up, Nick. All right. Uh, question number one. On the European Union Monopoly Board, which country streets are the most expensive property? The answer is Germany. Clue there when I said the GDP thingy. So if you know anything about that, it, the answer is Germany. I had no idea whatsoever. Claire, these were hard. All right. Uh, what colour is Raffles City in the Singapore edition? The answer is A, yellow. I would have gone dark blue. The name not Raffles. I just presumed it was the most expensive. You really should have given people a little bit of a clue here, Claire. You should have got, you know, but anyway, these are hard. These are hard. All right. Number three, what is the cheapest property on the standard US 2008 board? It is B, Mediterranean Avenue. Hopefully, Ken McDonald, you got that. Um, how many cities are represented on the Brazil edition, which was issued in 1989? The answer is B2. It's just Rio and Sao Paulo. See, I would have gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. I would have said three. I would have said three. I would have gone, you know, and Brasilia too. Yeah, but no. And then the last question, how many train stations are represented on the Birmingham UK board? The answer is three. Snow Hill, New Street, and Moore Street Station. And Moore Street Station is the most beautiful station. It's like something out of the 1940s. It's a bit like Marlebone in London. I've deliberately not uh, kind of updated it, left it as it is, and it's a most wonderful place. You think Hogwarts is just around the corner. It's, it's a beautiful station at Moore Street. So I'm going to go on to speak of you. I know a lot of you are actually quite shy this week. Hello, William. Lovely to meet you, sir. Who got... Crumbs, how many questions were there? One, two, three, four. Uh, there were nine questions, right? So who's got all nine? I'm going to count down eight. Then you've got to like uh, either unmute yourself and give you or do a big wave. Seven. Claire, these are really hard. Six. William. William. Where are you, William? I'm in uh, Edison, New Jersey. Edison, of course, named after the famous inventor Thomas Edison. Um, and uh, in the middle of the state of New Jersey, I'm sitting on my sofa. If you were, uh, if you saw me in, in the speaker, uh, in the gallery view earlier, I was having my lunch of uh, Chinese pork bun um, and, uh, and enjoying taking part in Map Corner. Uh, fantastic. And, and um, how long have you been an officiado of, of this podcast, sir? Because we've never seen you on a Zoom, but it's lovely to see you today. Yeah, I, I've been following on, on Facebook, and uh, I think I discovered the podcast a, a while ago when um, I think I started listening with episode three or four, and then I just went through the back catalog and I kind of, you know, I've been listening ever since. So, you know, this is a, this is, this is a wonderful one of the great things about winning the quiz is you get to bask, but then the onus is upon you then, sir, to do the next audio postcard, just saying. So I'll be expecting a wonderful audio postcard for, from New Jersey. All you need to do, send me the audio, I'll put the pictures to it. So it's not too much work. Is that a deal? Uh, awesome, awesome. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, well done everybody um, in the quiz. Was, was there anybody else that, um, and got maybe a, how, how many did you get this week, uh, Ken? Five. How about you, Mishimu? 
Two. Oh dear. All right. Oh I dear. I got six. You only got six. Wow. Which, which ones did you get wrong, Fiona? Oh, oh, all of most of the Monopoly ones. <laughs> if not all of the Monopoly ones, despite knowing Singapore. But I got my Birmingham train stations. I couldn't remember the name of them, but I remembered them, that there were three. Of course, I got Hudson right. Why wouldn't I? I'd have got it right without Witherspoon. And, uh, and my flag, I'm not too bad on flags. Uh, Tanzania completely threw me, but I knew South Africa and Croatia. Can I just, can I just say one sec? Mm-hmm. When I first saw the, the shape of Tanzania and ignoring the colors of the flag at first, I thought, that looks kind of like Wisconsin. It does. <laughs> it does. You're, 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 you're spot on. I hadn't thought about that. Wrong flag, though. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, Claire, um, is it almost time for us to fold up our maps, or do we have some, some parting shots? Uh, well, I, I, was lo- I was looking for a map up to the month, um, mm-hmm. as I normally do, and because I was anticipating that at some point during the podcast I would be disturbed by the sound of the ice cream van outside, who generally comes along the street at this sort of time of day, I looked at... Um, map ice cream van map facts um and uh, there weren't a lot to be found to be fair and we weren't really disturbed by the ice cream van so that's all been a bit lost but uh, there are some ice cream vans that you can map uh, and follow on a, on a live google map uh, which they tried to do a few years ago but it seems to have died a death so maybe there's a gap in the market now for people to have an app that really works that will tell you where your nearest ice cream van is um <laughs> We, we have a visiting fish and chip van on a Wednesday here and they do have a live map that you can see where they are in the village so you know how quickly they're going to get to you to do, do your fish and chips. So, you know, it's clearly a growing business, but it's still got some way to go. Wow. Talking about uh, putting new technology to um, an old uh, business. Uh, Daryl Cannon, thank you for coming on to, to Map Corner. And... Uh, Let's give you another big shout out and big up to your business. So where exactly is your cafe? Uh, we're in Sharnbrook in Bedford, UK. <laughs> and what are you opening hours, sir? Uh, at the moment, we're open Tuesday to Sunday, just 10 till 5. There you go. The cafe for all of your uh, map and game related uh, board games. Uh, if you want to, uh, if, you, if you're kind of into that thing, and why wouldn't you be? Because otherwise, why are you listening to Map Corner? Uh, Claire, um, the next Zoom will be on Saturday, September the 5th, and our guest will be Anton Thomas, who's a cartographer and artist who makes beautiful hand-drawn maps, which is somewhat of a, you should have linked on to that and talked about Ken's maps. We could have done, yeah. You, you missed a trick there. That's the reason why I'm this very slick uh, podcast presenter and you're still the novice uh, who's learning as, as you go along learning from the master there Roy. <laughs> if, if only that were true if only that were true folks don't forget to leave us a review on apple itunes uh and i think on that note i can say claire i think it's time that we folded up our maps absolutely let's fold up those maps take care everybody thanks we'll see you all again yes. next month oh william can't wait to hear audio postcard I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say. Excellent. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. 
Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.